All right, this just means I can use my hands less. It's fine. Good evening. Some of you, y'all all thought we were having a party tonight, and um, you may or may not have known, we're just going to open the Word of God tonight. So I hope y'all are okay with us celebrating like that. Um, thank you for being here. Um, I was fine yesterday, and then I woke up today, and things were just a little different and a little more somber, and then Camille prayed this horribly offensive prayer, <laughs> and um, one of my best friends, if not best friend, who doesn't come here anymore, showed up in the building, and um, my very first people from my very first table are in the room of when I first started Bible study years ago, um, Christina and Jenny and Jackie, there you are, Jackie. And so this feels like a really special time. Um, so to conclude the study of mountains, um, Kat talked about um, being on, um, well, just in Matthew 28. And it was Jesus's parting words to his disciples right before he ascended. This was his challenge to them. This is what he said to them. And so we walked through in this lesson one of the greatest promises of all. What was that promise? God's presence, his divine presence. Um, Kat put it this way. She said, what you will see is that Jesus chose to use this final moment with his disciples to equip them with a vision of his glory and confirmation of his deity. Jesus's followers were sent out with the most powerful resource possible, the reassuring promise of divine presence. And you see, Jesus gathered up his disciples. Um, he commissioned them, both women, women and men, and he set in motion the culmination of God's original plan that he detailed at the beginning on Mount Eden, right? To see the whole world flourish. And so while I am definitely not Jesus, and I am not about to ascend to heaven, okay, um, this night feels a little bit similar because it's not really about me commissioning you, but it is those words of saying, there are some important things, and keep going. There is a calling for you, and the Lord is with you wherever you go. And so you are live, living out your gifts. You are living out your calling to see the whole world flourish. And I get to say some parting words to you. So no pressure, right? This is no big deal. Um, in thinking what I wanted to share with you tonight in um, parting words, more or less, I began to ponder some of my favorite moments from the years here at IBC that I have been on staff and that I have served the women of IBC. Um, there have been a lot of laughs. There have been a lot of tears. I've gone through a lot of shoes, um, weddings, funerals, babies, um, job promotions, job demotions, moving, celebrations, prayer time, a lot of Betsy's jokes. Um, grieving, not necessarily grieving Betsy's jokes, but I mean, sometimes. Um, and to no surprise, my favorite moments here at IBC were when one of you would experience freedom for the first time. I can name the places I have stood in this church and had conversations with many of you who were experiencing freedom in Christ for the very first time that it just came to you. 
I, re- I can look at the spots that I have stood in the parking lot and cried with people. Those are my most favorite moments is to see God moving. And you see, God gave me a passion and an excitement a long time ago to see women freed from the burden of anything other than who Christ says they are. That's been my passion for a long time. And it's probably because for a long time in my life, that's been my greatest struggle is is finding my identity in what everyone else thinks of me and finding my identity in what I did. And so my passion was to see others not experience that, but to experience freedom, not in what people say, not in what family says, but in what the word of God says. And um, since tonight is about sharing parting words, I wanted to share a few things with you. Um, I wanted to remind you of a few things that I have said um, over the years. Um, There's nothing new here. Hopefully you have heard me say these things. Um, Now, someone else would read a different list if they were up here, but I'm up here. And so this is my list. So um, these will be on the screen Um, in no particular order. These are some of the things I want you to remember. Number one, read God's word in context. Do not take a verse out of context and base your life on it. Okay? Number two, always test what you're hearing from God with scripture. The Holy Spirit will never contradict scripture. And so if you feel like God is telling you something that does not align with what the word of God says, you probably have a hearing problem. Also, if you are reading a passage or a scripture and you have a new revelation about this passage that no other scholar or commentator has had in 2,000 years, you're wrong. So go back and try again. Okay. This is why I have the mic. So great. Number three, when suffering happens, when things don't make sense, call on God's character and look for him at work. What we know about God is that he is love. He is the author of good. He um, will not cause evil to accomplish his purpose ever. Yet, when we experience the natural consequences of death and destruction of living in a broken world, he can and will use those consequences to, he will redeem them to accomplish his purpose. He will not cause them, but he has the miraculous power to redeem them for our good and his glory. So when things don't make sense, always go back to the character of God. Number four, eat cake for breakfast. It is the same ingredients as a muffin. You cannot tell me differently. Just do it. You'll be happier. Five, share your emotions with God and tell him what you're feeling. Um, Spoiler alert, he already knows what you're feeling. Worst case scenario, you develop an intimate relationship with your father. Number six, celebrate and celebrate one another every chance you get. Um, Let's be known as women who are for one another. Number seven, go to counseling. Find a good counselor and go to counseling whether or not you think you need it. Because once you start, you will know that you need it. Anyone disagree? Amen. Number eight, ask for forgiveness. Anyone can be sorry. Anybody can say they're sorry. And when you make mistakes, you probably are sorry. So instead, number eight, ask for forgiveness. Admit that you're wrong and ask for forgiveness. 
Now, as I was making this list, I wondered what was the most important thing to tell you. And these are my things that I think are important to tell you. Um, there's a lot of pressure when Sissy tells you, hey, instead of just teaching a lesson, share with the women your parting words and what you think the most important thing for them is to hear. Easy, easy. And so um, rather than relying on my own knowledge, I went to one of the greatest um, who is best at encouraging, who is best at pointing to Jesus, and that was the Apostle Paul. And so I looked up all of Paul's letters, I went through all of them, and looked at what his parting words were in every one of his letters. And in every single one of his letters, there is one word that is in common for every one of them. Y'all want to guess? Peace is one. I mean, that's not it, but grace. Grace. That is what Paul says at the end of every one of his letters. He says, grace be with all of you. Grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace and love and fellowship. In Colossians, y'all, he ends with, remember my chains. Grace be with you. Paul's very direct, very clear. And so while we talk about grace around here, I wanted to just take a minute and, and talk about grace. This is our thought for tonight. Um, sometimes we confuse grace and mercy, so let's quickly define it. So mercy is not receiving the punishment I deserve, okay? I deserve punishment. Mercy is I don't receive that punishment. Grace, um, grace is receiving something you did not earn. Grace is a gift. Grace comes to you um, specifically, it's often from one more powerful person to a less powerful person, it is a gift. Um, we often call it God's unmerited favor, but we don't use the words unmerited very often. So we would call it God's unearned kindness, kindness that we don't deserve. So let's take, um, for example, let me make this clear. Um, let's take, for example, my daughter, Kate. Okay, um, while she is a perfect angel, let's envision a day. So if she listens to the recording, she hears she was a perfect angel. So let's envision a day where she is belligerent and unkind and um, disobedient. So let's say she leaves her favorite hair clip on the floor because she's really into claw clips right now. And let's say I tell her to pick it up and she disobeys and she does not pick it up, okay? The natural consequence of disobedience is that it accidentally gets stepped on and broken. Mercy would be me not punishing her for disobeying or giving her extra chores. Grace would be me saying, you know what, let's go spend time together and get a pedicure. So you see what grace is. Grace is a gift that we definitely did not earn and we definitely didn't deserve. Um, grace, God allows us to experience the natural consequences of sin. Um, in his mercy, he does not punish us for our sin because he sent his son a gift to take that punishment. And instead, in his grace, he gives us the gift of himself, a gift that we didn't deserve. So when Paul talks about grace in all of his letters, he's talking about every single thing that God did for us. Because Paul, excuse me, Paul, before his conversion, he was a persecutor of the early church. He killed Christians, and so he knew what it was he knew what it meant to be very unworthy of Christ's love and God's favor. Um, if there's anything I know um, about my ability to follow the rules, it's that I don't have that ability to follow the rules. Many of you have heard me say that I think rules are for people who don't have common sense. Paul loved the rules, but it also wasn't enough because it was about his ability. Um, if 
if grace depended on our ability to follow the rules, then it would no longer be grace. It would be grace in works because we did something to earn it. But because it doesn't depend on anything that we do, it is just called grace. Our problem is that we reduce grace to just a one-time thing. A lot of times we just associate grace with salvation. But when Paul talks about it, he is talking about the day-in and day-out experience of God's grace. When he's writing to the believers in Corinth, um, Paul in 2 Corinthians, he begins to boast about um, just all of his experiences with God. He is boasting of the things also that like show his weakness because when he is weak... It points them to the Lord. And so in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says, when he's boasting in his weakness, he says, there is a thorn in my flesh, and it's so bad that it harasses me, and it's like a messenger from Satan. That's what he calls this thorn, and he pleads with God to take it away. And God replied, to Paul's problem, God replied, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. My grace is sufficient. So Paul has a problem, and the answer to the problem is God's grace. So is God just talking about this one-time thing of salvation of grace, or is it something more? That something more is that the grace of God is not so much a characteristic of God as it is an activity of God. It is an activity of God. And people have speculated about Paul's thorn in his flesh for years. They've made a lot of guesses. But Paul decided to keep it unknown because we can all relate to having a problem that we want God to fix. Um, I think we can all relate to having a list of problems that we would like for God to fix, right? Um, so I think a better definition of grace is actually God's active help when we don't deserve it. God's active help working in our circumstances for our good. God working in our circumstances when we definitely do not deserve it and have not earned it. And so Paul is saying that he has this thorn and he's pleading with God to remove this problem from his life. He is begging God to take it away. But just two verses later, if you look down, Paul says that he will boast all the more gladly of his weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What changed? God, take this away, and then I boast in my weakness. What do you think changed his mind? Well, what happened between those verses? God spoke to Paul. And when God speaks, things change. Has God ever spoken to you and everything changed when he did? Well, that's what changed for Paul. You see, God says my grace is sufficient because his grace is his active help in our circumstances. And it's enough. His grace is enough for us. And his power is made perfect in weakness. It says his power is brought to completion. And so Paul boasts about his weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon him. You see, self-reliance here is the opposite of power. Paul's self-reliance would be the opposite of power. And um, Jesus is saying, my ability is perfected in your inability. God's power is perfected. His ability is perfected in our inability. 
Friends, if we can learn to be successfully weak and surrender and trust, think what that could be like. Because if God is working, then it is his power and it is not ours at work. And when we try to solve it ourselves, we may get a great solution, but at the end, our best case scenario is that we have hindered the power of God. And so God's grace is when he is at work for our circumstances. Now let's think about what we have in Christ, okay? Galatians says that not only were we rescued, not only did Christ come to set us free from the law, but we were adopted as sons and daughters. So that would take another, um, that's a whole other message for us to talk about, about the spirit of adoption. But basically what that means is that when we become believers, we are adopted as sons and daughters, which means we have, uh-oh, it's fine, it's new, it's fine. It means that when we are adopted as sons and daughters, we have the same access to the Father that Jesus had, that Jesus has. We have the same access to the Father that Jesus has. And do you know what that gives us? It's what we started out the lesson this week, the divine presence of God, that we have access to that without limit. But we have a problem, and the problem is you and me. The problem is ourselves. We run into a difficult situation, and then the first thing we do is try to fix it ourselves. The first place we go, because we believe in ourselves. We know what we're capable of. Of course I can fix this. And usually we can't. And we try it, and then at the end we're like, oh, okay, I'll ask the Lord. You see, we know that our Father in heaven loves us, right? We know that he is for us. We know that he desires goodness for our lives. But the moment we take on our own solutions, we take him off the throne. We get up onto the throne ourselves and we rule the little kingdoms that we have created for our lives. And within those little kingdoms are little idols that we worship in our self-reliance and our ability. And again, the best outcome in our little kingdoms It might seem good for now, but our best bet is that we have ultimately hindered the power of God. But grace tells us that we have everything we need through Christ the Father. And so I was thinking about this, about times that we do that. And I thought about, so when I'm desperately concerned about what other people think about me, about whether or not someone else likes me or approves of me, I get up on the throne and I control my life with kind words, with a nice smile, with great shoes, so that I can control how you feel about me and I can control what you think of me as best I can. But grace tells me that because of Jesus, I am loved and chosen and adored and I can get off the throne and let God be God. When nothing seems to be going right in life and I am desperately unhappy, I sit on the throne and I plan trips and I fill my calendar and I fill every empty possible place of space that I can so that I feel important. But grace tells me that because of Jesus, my joy is complete and that I have joy in him and I can get off the throne. 
When I so desperately want that promotion and I will do whatever it takes to stand out and be noticed and get what I deserve, I take God off the throne, I sit on the throne, and I control the situation and decide that I will work long hours, that I will neglect my relationship with God and with my family so that I can just do whatever it takes to get this promotion and get whatever I need because this is exactly what I deserve. But grace tells me that because of Jesus... He gives us a yoke that is easy and a burden that is light. And he will meet all of our needs. And I can get off the throne and let God be God. When the diagnosis comes in and the future looks bleak, I sit on the throne and I put on a brave face and I say the right things and I craft a narrative. But grace tells me that because of Jesus, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And I can get off the throne. When I don't fit in, when rejection is all I know, when I have to go it alone, grace tells me that because of Jesus, I will never be alone, and I can get off the throne. When the world um, makes me feel worried or anxious or afraid, grace tells me that because of Jesus, I have a peace that passes all understanding, and I can get off the throne. When the world around me seems like it is falling and collapsing and there is no hope, there's nothing I can do, grace tells me that I can rest, that I can stay off the throne because God is on his throne and he's not getting off. And so grace tells me I can stay off the throne and let God be God because his grace is sufficient for all of our problems. His grace is sufficient Grace is the gift of God's unmerited help actively working in our circumstances for our good and our glory. And as long as we're talking about famous last words, we know that some of Jesus' final words before he dies on the cross, he says, um, it is finished. He says, it is finished. Friends, it is finished. We can get off the throne because there is nothing left for us to do to earn God's favor. We already have it. There is nothing left for us to do but to receive his beautiful and bountiful gift of grace. And we receive that gift and we let it sit right here. We let it permeate every part of our being. And once that gift of grace sinks in and we realize that we are loved and we are chosen, that we are called, that gift of grace permeates through us. And out of the abundance of that gift that is never ending, we can love one another, we can serve one another, and we can pass on the gift of grace because we have nothing left to prove. We don't have to be on the throne because God has proven it already, and he has called us his. My dearest friends, on the best days, his grace is sufficient. And on the very worst days, his grace, his active help is sufficient. Never forget, friends, that you are beloved, you are called, you are chosen, and it is not by accident. And I just want to say that for the last few years, it has been an abundant joy and a deep honor to serve each one of you. 
um, to be, <laughs> actually I wrote more, it has been a deep honor and an abundant joy to walk with you, to be loved by you, to serve you, and to look at Jesus with you. Because it's been really good to look at Jesus with you. Um, when I first went to seminary and people would ask me what I'm going to do with my degree, they would almost always say, are you going into women's ministry? And I would almost always say, uh, no, because I've heard about women's ministry. And women are there. <laughs> but I want you to know that you, you are different. You are different. You wooed me into your arms. I grew a love for you that could not have come from anyone but the Lord himself. And it's hard to, like, I'm not saying goodbye because I'm, like, just around the corner in Flower Mountain. But it's hard to say goodbye. Um, I want you to know that, that when, when new teachers come in, um, when new people are, you know, just teaching for the first time, I think Betsy and Courtney can attest to the fact that um, this is one of the safe, safest spaces to cut your teeth on teaching because you are so affirming. You are so encouraging. I have never, um, yeah, I just want you to know, you have affirmed and encouraged me and our teachers so well. And when I look at women's ministry here at IBC, women's ministry is pretty well known around DFW in other churches and at those seminaries. And the thing is, leaders have come and gone over the years. But guess what stayed the same? You. You have stayed the same. And you have made this an amazing women's ministry. And there are many of you who were here when I first started attending in 2005. I've been here for 18 years, attending for 18 years. And there are many of you in this room who made space for me, who welcomed me, who brought me up close. I can remember the many times Mary Wayand came up to me and encouraged me. And she didn't have to do that. But you make a difference. And so for those of you who went before me and who made a space for me, I do not take it for granted, and I want to say thank you. It has been an incredible gift, and I'll never be able to convey just exactly what that means to me. For those of you who are new, hi, guys. It's like right here. Um, there was a time when I could not find my crew, and... I came four semesters, and I attended like three times each of those four semesters and left because I'm like, these aren't my people. And then the next thing I know, I developed these new relationships, and I stayed. So keep at it. Trust God. He has people for you, and you can find it in this room, so don't give up. Thank you for the memories for the encouragement, for the laughs. You have been grace to me in ways I'll never be able to accurately convey. Thank you to everyone. Um, I'll say more later, but who made tonight special. Um, after Jesus said, it is finished, he said to the, 
Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And so let me say to you, women of IBC, it is finished. And it's time for you to get off the throne. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let me pray. Father in heaven, um, we are so undeserving of you, of your gift of grace, of your active help in our lives to cause our circumstances for good and for your glory. We are humbled and we are thankful. Thank you that you don't leave us, you never forsake us, that you are for us, um, that you know what is best for us. And God, you're never at rest. You are actively working. So help us to recognize that grace and let it sit on our souls so that it will permeate every inch of us and that out of the overflow of the grace you give us, we can give it to others, not so that they will see us, but they will know our Father in heaven. Because, Father, you are worthy of worship and you alone are worthy to know. And we thank you. Um, Thank you for these ladies who make this space special. Bless them, keep them, hold them. In your son's name and by the spirit, um, we pray all these things, amen. I'm just supposed to be done now. That's all I know. You wanna sit on your phone? She's still telling me what to do. I told her to sit on her throne. Um, <laughs> I ruined it. Okay. Okay. Friends, we're going to transition now to, um, as as we've already said, today is Amy's last day of Bible study. Her last day on staff is actually Thursday, but today is her last day with us at Bible study, and so we want to transition to a time of just sharing with her our appreciation, our thanks, and some words of encouragement. And uh, I know that all of you would want to do that. We'll actually have time after this for you to share that personally with Amy. If you'd like to do that, she'll be up here at the end and you could share your well wishes with her. Uh, Amy has been on staff. She doesn't know about any of this, which was really hard to do if you know Amy, but we kept it from her. Um, Amy has been on staff for eight years and the last two of those years she has served as our women's pastor and she has faithfully serve the women of IBC. And we are so grateful for her. We're grateful for the way she has uh, poured into this ministry, uh, how she has invested in countless women, um, the ways you have cared for women and impacted the lives of women. You have uh, made a difference at IBC You have made a difference in women's ministry. Your fingerprints are all over this ministry. And you're leaving us better because of the way you have given of yourself, the way you have used your gifts for God's glory and for the good of all of us. So we're really grateful for you. You know, I'm really grateful for you. Um, Like I said, I know all of you would want to share some words with her, but I've asked two people, two women, uh, Kathy Withhorn, Kathy, who's our um, women's ministry coordinator, who you all know, and then Barb Hesseke, who's a longtime IBCer, such an important part of our women's ministry, as well as uh, part of our teaching team. So I'm going to invite them to come up, and they'll share just a few words of thanks and appreciation. And then we're going to pray for Amy, because while we're sad to see her go, um, we know that the Lord has so much in store for her, and we're excited for this new chapter for her. So we're sending her out with a blessing. Um, 
Is that okay? Yes. I'll get my own mic. I don't know if you should have your own mic. Make John run. Um, so I'm not going anywhere. Um, when I came back from Christmas, um, from Christmas break, God just made it very clear that it's time for me to be home. Um, I have an 11 year old daughter. Um, I struggle with the like guilt of like, well, you just have one. Do you really, but that's all the enemy's lies. Um, God made it very clear that that's what's coming for me. I've been working since I was 16. This is very new. I don't know what this is like. Um, and so you can pray for that. Um, this is going to be weird. So um, I think there's already a pool about how long I'll make it. Um, anyway, uh, so when it's like, where are you going? I'm going home, just home um, to, to serve my family. Um, I have served my spiritual family, and now God is calling me to serve my God-given family. So that's where I'm going. Okay. Yeah. That could be dangerous. I'm going to get a tissue. Um, <laughs> I, I put them up here just to be prepared. You want one? Nope. You might want one. <laughs> I'm okay. just going to sit next to you. Okay. <laughs> All right, I had to write this down. Um, okay. <laughs> Should we join hands? No, I'm kidding. Okay. All right. Amy, thank you for your leadership and friendship. You are patient, yet not without high expectations. You are focused, yet somehow manage multiple situations simultaneously. You are loving, yet firm. You say hard things, yet do it with love and encouragement. You listen, you get to the heart of the matter, and you solve a problem faster than anyone I know. You are authentic and kind and brutally honest, and you don't hold back. You mean kind of the good it's all good. It's all good. Your mind processes at warp speed. You see people. You see Jesus in people. You are like a heat-seeking missile when you enter a room. You find the one woman in the room who needs a friend, and you go to her. You know scripture, and you live it out. You have experienced God's abundant grace, and you offer it generously to others. You are real and authentic about life, and this allows you to love others well, to meet people where they are, and walk with them toward Jesus. Thank you for loving the women of IBC so well for the past eight years. So as you move into this next season of life, oh gosh, things are getting really blurry right now. I can't <laughs> read what I wrote. Um, no, that's okay. As you move into this next season of life with Joel and Kate, my hope is that you will rest in the present savoring each moment, and use this opportunity to be with them as you have been with us, in no way forsaking your time with the Lord, but being with him and letting him be your anchor, your friend, and your place of rest.
I pray that you would give yourself the gift of time, of being still and reflecting, of deep soul care. We love you. I know I can speak for all of us when I say, well done, good and faithful servant. We will miss you, and we look forward to what God has for you in this next season of faith. mine down too. <clears throat> um, when I started to think about sharing some things uh, about Amy, I, I was thinking, um, I didn't actually think very, it didn't take me long. Three words came to mind immediately. And uh, I thought you would particularly appreciate them because um, they're all the same. They start with the same letter. And I know you love words and you love alliteration and like me. Um, so let me begin by just saying, Amy, that, uh, and Kathy already mentioned this, you are supremely authentic. You are genuine and honest and open-hearted. And um, I think I can speak for the women of IBC when I say that we have experienced you as a fellow struggler. Um, you have shared your heart and the very tender places in your life in order to help us navigate the hard things in our lives. Um, your faith in Jesus is authentic. Uh, you trust him, you trust his word, and you were consistently pointing us to him as well so that we would do the very same thing. Thank you for being authentic. And because you're authentic, Amy, you are also approachable. I had to look that word up. It came to me, and I was like, wait a minute, what exactly does that mean? It means that you are easy to be with. And I think that beautifully describes you, Amy, and your presence. Um, there is absolutely nothing standoffish about you. You have joy. You are, have an incredible sense of humor. You are engaging and inviting. You shine, Amy, but you don't put off other people. You welcome them. And you are available. Your heart is for the women of IBC. And um, that is no small thing to say that someone is available <clears throat> because it means that you are just like our God who is available, who says, I will be with you. And I can think of so many times when I would walk down the hallway and you were there and you were greeting the women and you were looking around and you were checking them out to see how they're doing. And you would talk to them and ask them how they were doing. And then I would see you stop right where you were to listen. Um, it reminded me of a shepherd with their sheep. <clears throat> you have devoted yourself to our care and our concerns. You've taught us your God's word. Um, you've listened to our hearts and our hurts. And um, you have been willing to get into the messy with us. You have been all of those things, Amy. Authentic, approachable, and available. <clears throat> and I know that we, um, we don't grade 
people around here because we're full of grace. There's no comparing and no performing and none of that. But I just wanted to say, Amy, that if we were grading, we would give you straight A's. So in addition to, there's more to come, in addition to um, just the words of appreciation, we wanted to just share with you a small token, a really small token of our love and appreciation. And so we've got a few of Amy's favorite things. So she loves gardenias, so you have a gardenia plant. And then this is a really unique one. She also loves hot tamales. Um, and is notorious on our staff. If you're having a hard day or you just need a candy fix, she gets a whole bag of hot tamales. Um, and Amy's got them well stashed in her office. I keep 10 pounds of my office <laughs> of hot tamales. All right, friends, uh, so we're going to end tonight. Well, before we pray, do you have any last words that you want to share? You, you have last words. Are you going to eat them now? Well, this is too young. Very tall. Okay. Um, I just, um, I mean, I said a lot of them. Um, I said to Sissy earlier, um, Sissy was being mean to me earlier, um, <laughs> I, I said, hey, is there a time at the end where I can, like, say thank you to the people? And she was like, do you think I don't know you'll have more words to say every time there's a break? I was like, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Yes. Um, I just want to say um, to, I mean, I'm not going to, like, do the mushy thing. I could have prepared something. I didn't. I've told you how I feel about you. I've told you how I feel about you. I've told you. I have told Victoria, who's hiding um, back there. But, oh, you're right there. Hey. Um, you, like you all in your own way, have shaped me. You have raised me. You have grown me up. Um, be for one another. Because because you were for me, it made this a really special place. And um, Sissy will be your interim women's pastor. You will not be alone. There will be someone. God has already determined who the next women's pastor is going to be. So start praying for her. Um, be ready to love her and welcome her with open arms. Because she will come into a new place and not know you. And that can be scary. We all know what it's like walking into this room alone the first time. And so how can you be for one another, whether it's above you, whether it's beneath you, whether it's in front of you, whether it's behind you? Um, you have done that for me. And um, thank you for making tonight so special to those of you who made tonight so special. And um, I love y'all. I think that's it. All right, we're going to pray for Amy. So if you're, if you're able, would you stand with me and stand with us? And if you're able, again, um, just stretch out your hand. There's nothing magical about this. It's just our way of expressing that we want to bless her. That in unity, we agree that we want the Lord to bless her, and we're asking him to do that. So that's what we're praying towards.
So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to study your word together in community. And, and I pray, God, that it wouldn't just be information that's in our heads, but it would lead to transformation of our hearts and our lives. Make us more like Jesus. And we thank you for Amy. We thank you for eight years of faithful ministry here at IBC. We thank you for the way she has impacted the lives of so many women, the way she has impacted each one of our lives. We thank you for the ways that you have gifted her and wired her and how um, she has so sacrificially used those gifts for our good and for your glory. And so we pray as she enters this new season in, our, in her life, Lord, would you draw her even closer to yourself? Would you uh, allow her to experience even deeper intimacy with her family and her friends, especially with Joel and Kate um, and with all those that she comes into contact with? And we do ask that you would bless her. God, we pray that you would bless her and keep her, that you would make your face to shine upon her, that you would be gracious to her, that you would turn your face to her and give her peace. We thank you for the way she has used her gifts here at IBC. We send her out now, empowered by your spirit, to bless those around her. We ask this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.